Hello, and welcome to this week's Business Transformation 101 podcast. I am your host, Bill Fegis. In last week's podcast, we provided an overview of long-term or strategic planning and noted it was composed of two components, strategy creation and strategy execution. This week, we will do a deeper dive on the strategy creation component with Dr. Phil Samuel of the Lean Methods Group. The Lean Methods Group is a global management consulting firm specializing in the application of highly collaborative and methodical approaches to business performance improvement. Its business model is simple, apply lean methodologies to solve its clients' problems. Through its portfolio of strategy, innovation, operational excellence, data analytics, and change management methods, Lean, Man lean Methods helps you solve today's toughest problems while building your team's capabilities to sustain success and drive change tomorrow. Dr. Phil Samuel is a trusted advisor to C-level leadership, providing strategic direction to clients across multiple industries on their business transformation journey. He is responsible for business development, design and execution of clients' business transformation initiatives, staffing, performance management, and delivering results. Through the Lean Methods portfolio of strategy, innovation, operational excellence, and digital transformation approaches, Phil and his team help solve clients' toughest problems of today while building clients' team capabilities so that they can sustain success and drive change tomorrow. I have worked with Phil and the Lean Methods team for the past three and a half years. Lean Methods was a key partner in training the leadership teams of multiple operating companies on strategic creation, innovation, and new product development. In today's podcast, Phil will provide us with an overview of the key aspects of the strategy creation process. Phil, welcome to the Business Transformation 101 podcast series, and thank you for taking the time to share with us your insights and expertise on the strategy creation process. And with that, I'll turn it over to you. Bill, thank you for the opportunity. As always, it's a pleasure uh, to work with you. So in this podcast, as Bill explained, our focus is on strategy creation. So I have developed an outline for the podcast. I'd like to discuss some myths about strategy and execution and discuss what is called a building your current state narrative when we discuss three winning models for strategy development or strategy execution we'll then discuss a model and a practical roadmap of developing the strategy then we will look at building the strategy by collecting dots external dots as well as internal then we connect them by building a SWOT. They also discuss developing a portfolio of opportunities through the lenses of market trends, customer insights, technology trends, business model trends. Then we bring this all together and we developed what is called a TOES framework. And we look into this portfolio of ideas and develop a set of strategies, and then we can prioritize and implement them. So first, 
here are some common myths about strategy to execution. And these lists are plausible, but not likely. That's why I call them myths. So first is this, when strategy fails, it's always due to poor execution. So we have seen multiple people talk about, oh, execution suffered, that's because we were not good at executing, but it wasn't the result of strategy. Well, I like to borrow a thought from Professor Roger Martin, Dean of retired re Dean of Business School at University of Toronto. He would say, if your strategy was poorly executed, it's really not a good strategy. So therefore, strategy itself is at the fault of your poor execution. Second, you can create your company's next three to five plus years of strategies during that three-day offsite meeting. Yes, it's possible, but not likely. Developing strategy requires you to collect a set of dots about changes in the environment, as well as looking at your capabilities or lack of, and then connecting the dots and that takes time. Third is confusing strategic planning with strategy creation. Many companies will say, we have a framework for Hoshin or OKR or others, and they confuse that with strategy creation. Strategic planning is really about prioritization of resources, your time, re people, energy, et cetera. It's not really a replacement for developing strategy. The next one that we keep hearing often is that developing strategy is an art. Uh, it's only, there is no standard work for it. Uh, it. It just, only gifted people can do that. And that's actually the next bullet. It's only at the hand of, a few, uh, uh, it's only available to the few gifted people. Rather, we can actually find more and more companies are involving the whole company of and their the leadership to the people who do the daily work and harnessing the gifts and the talents of every person in developing strategies. Another one we commonly hear is competitive advantage is disappearing. Yes, it's possible. Yes, we see that com com competitive forces are tightening, but it's not quite true that it has disappeared. Look at hotel industry. We thought all hotels are looking, to, looking like the same. Now Airbnb came. We looked at the taxi industry and uh, it's getting disrupted by uh, Uber and others. So competitive advantage is not necessarily dis disappearing the competition might come from another industry. A more recent one we hear often is the, you need a digital strategy. So this is, this is a lack of understanding of defining what strategy is. You need a business strategy. You don't need a IT strategy or HR strategy or digital strategy. What you need is a, a strategy for your business a digital is an enablement. 
Well, now take a look at the standard three winning models of how companies create competitive advantage. Uh, thanks to the research by Michael Porter and others, uh, researchers have noticed three different ways companies create competitive advantage. One is the operational excellence. This is the result of creating and developing cost advantage. Southwest Airline has a unique advantage in managing their operations through cost competitiveness. They started as a low cost airline. All of their processes, their offerings, their strategy are subservient to their mantra of the operational excellence. They don't want to be like United Airlines. They don't want to be flying to all kinds of places around the world. Instead, they focus on their 737 aircrafts. They focus on pilots who can fly 737 and they choose not to do a whole bunch of stuff, all making it subservient to their operational excellence DNA. Take another company like Apple, they thrive because of their product leadership. They focus on innovation, they focus on new trends, new technologies, and all of their operating system is subservient to the mindset of product leadership. Customer intimacy is the third model. Uh, imagine a, com com a company like Ritz-Carlton. They use an approach called customer intimacy. It's about individual customer. It's about customization. They treat each customer differently and everything they do revolves around focusing the, on that one customer, not necessarily the group of customers. And therefore the choices and the activities and the strategies you use has to be made in line with the DNA of the company. And that's why the three winning models are important. The next step is to build your strategy is to think about building a narrative. So when you think about the narrative, you think about the current state, where you are today versus where you want to go. And a simple way to think about your current and the future state is through the eyes of the four Ws. The first W is the what. What do you offer? What are your product and services? What are its characteristics? What are its differentiation aspects of it? Who do you deliver it to? What kind of customers? What are their characteristics? What segment of the market are you going after? And then the way is your secret sauce, your processes, your competitive advantage, your intellectual property, all of those makes or enables you to create value. Then ultimately you have to ask the question, the fourth W, the why. The why is the reason behind who you are and what gives you the right in the marketplace to serve the customers. If you ask Apple, they might say their why is that we have the DNA where we question the status quo. We are always asking the customers 
and thinking about the jobs they are trying to get done. And we are constantly challenging ourselves about the way we deliver solutions. That's their DNA. So understanding that current state is an important piece to developing your strategy towards your journey towards the future. So when we think about the future state, when you build your narrative, you ask the questions about where do we see us going? What do you think will stop us from winning? What kind of changes are we anticipating? So the journey starts from where current state and the journey is goes towards the future state. This is taking an audit of where we are and it's the starting point. So now having known the starting point, having a built the foundational thinking, now we ask the question, is there a model that everybody can use to develop the strategy? This model has three parts to it. Strategy creation, strategy execution, and the connecting the two together through the bridge we call strategic planning. Strategy creation is about developing many possible set of strategy. Strategic planning is about choosing some and not choosing others. So deciding what you will not do, at least in the next three years or the next five years, is as important or even more important than the whole set of possible strategies. Many companies struggle on this front. All of them need to be translated into execution format. And Bill has been going through many of these uh, areas in the previous webinars and also in the future webinars. So our focus for today is on the left side of the pillar called strategy creation. And uh, you can see that it really has two components to it, strategic thinking and building the strategy. And strategic thinking is about constantly collecting data, external changes, internal capabilities. So you collect the data, you then incubate them, and then over a period of time, you start to connect them. You get insights. Insights are the things that you get to see on the same data everybody else has access, but you connected it and develop some unique wisdom. And those are insights. You can now turn up these insights into exploring different possibilities through model building. And at some point you have to make some decisions about what you're going to do versus what you're not going to do. And that leads to objective setting, which then leads to strategic planning. At this point, you might ask the question, this is all great. Can you show me practically in tangible terms, in tactically, how can, you, how can an organization do it? So here is a simple roadmap we developed that you can or any company can use as a roadmap, as a framework uh, to develop strategies. We break them into seven sections. In this first section, we're looking at trends from external perspective and internal perspective. 
So trend drivers are collecting dots from external perspective and internal perspective. Then from that, actually, you see that one eventually goes to four to build your SWOT. So what is in the SWOT? The external perspectives becomes your summarized opportunities and threats. Your internal perspective becomes a summarized form of strengths and weakness. But to develop strategy, you also need a lot of ideas. You need inspirations. For that, we start at two. Two is a form of warming up your group. And a simple way to warm up your group for some ideas is, is a simple exercise like, hey, let's make a list of 10 things you will never hear our customers say about us. Oh, we'll never hear our customers say that we are the cheapest or we are the most innovative or we are the most responsive. Well, these are teaser exercises, but it warms up people to expose the truth about the perception of the customers about you, your products and services. You can also ask questions about ideas for core market, extended market, disruptive growth and so forth. We then move to section three, where it is much more thorough, deep dive on looking at external view and coming up with ideas to receive inspirations. So those three, uh, section three is what we call business trends. These are things happening in the market regardless of what we are doing or what competitors are doing. So those business trends, we broke them down into four areas, market trends, customer insights, technology trends, business model trends. I'll explain about each of them in greater detail a little bit later. So from three, we are going to get lots of ideas based on market trends, technology trends, and et cetera. These ideas will turn it into transformation or innovation portfolio. And you can think about ideas relating to product and services, ideas relating to internal processes, ideas relating to business models. And some of your ideas are going to be incremental in nature, while others are radical in nature. Once we have the SWOT and once we have these, the innovation portfolio, we can then develop strategies through the what is called a TOES analysis. Here in the strategy creation, I'm taking a deeper dive into each of these topics. So first is the trend drivers. In here, we can do external dots or internal. So external, we have two tools described here. One is called steeple, other one is called Porter's five forces. So for illustration, I'll take one of them. In this case, I'm going to be taking a look at steeple. Porter's five forces, another way to look at the competitiveness, the competitive rivalry in, inside your industry. And uh, Michael Porter at Harvard uh, business school developed this. 
And then similarly to the internal, we can use force field analysis or Michael's Porter's value chain analysis to understand uh, strengths, weaknesses, and internal view. Here I am for illustration, I am taking the steeple uh, to show collecting the external dots. Steeple stands for changes in social, technological, economic, environmental, political, legal, and ethical dimensions. So depending on your company's product and services and markets, you have to ask the question for your customers, or if you are a B2B company, even your customers' customers, what are the changes happening externally? Changes with society and demographics, changes in technology, changes in uh, economy and so forth. And then you are asking the question, which of them are relevant to my company? And you're summarizing them in this format. And then we are asking, its impact on my potential impact on my business. Is it low, is it medium, is it high? And then we are also asking, is it trending upwards? Is it flat? Is it trending slowly up or down? And this is the summary of a steeple, but it summarizes an example of changes externally that might have an impact on your business. Internal view, again, another tool we can use, it's called force field analysis. In the force field analysis, remember, we think about the current situation. We had a narrative we developed in the beginning that describes our four Ws. That's your current situation. And in here, we also imagine the future and imagine two kinds of future. One future is the best case future. Everything is great. You have huge market share. Your growth is, is beyond your expectation and so forth. You have a worst case scenario of the future. Economy suddenly collapsed, customers left, competitors are coming and taking your business. So now you imagined the current versus awesome future and a horrible future. Then we ask the question internally, what forces are in play today that's driving us towards that best case scenario? And then what are the restraining forces that are holding us back and maybe push us towards the worst case scenario? And keep in mind, this is an internal analysis. We can also do similar analysis using Porter's value chain. I'll skip that for the sake of time, but this is an illustration of developing external, external dots and looking at internal capabilities. Having collected these two things, we are now ready for SWOT. A common mistake companies make in developing SWOT is the SWOT is their starting point. A better practice is not, SWOT is not the starting point. The starting point is the collection of external dots, changes externally, and an assessment of your internal capabilities or lack of. All of those internal capabilities that you have 
and the lack of will get summarized as strengths and weaknesses. All of those external opportunities you saw, potential, they are opportunities. Then there are potential threats from external, your competitors or your market changing that might be damaging to you, that's your threats. So SWAT is the summary of external changes and internal capabilities. I've illustrated it with a simple example. Strengths are looking at internal. We have excess production capabilities. Our business, our manufacturing has these capabilities, not capacity capabilities. We also have a strong and well-established product development capability. That's something that we are proud of. On the weakness side, we don't have enough production capacity and we struggle with employee morale. See, both of those dimensions, we are looking inward. Outward speaking, opportunities, there's a 30% annual growth in hand tool usage. Hmm, maybe we should go after. A major competitor announces exit from the market. Should we be merging? Should we be buying them out? Opportunities. Threat, slowing population growth strong potential for union activities. Have you, you noticed that this is not the place to put your ideas, it's to describe the situation. Describing internal situation, describing external situation. Another common mistake people make in the SWAT, uh, one company I worked with, they had 73 items in it. We are not looking for 73 items. We are looking for three to five items in each of these categories. You will see later why you don't want 72 and why you only want three to five as a practical matter. Now we move into getting lots of ideas for your strategy. And this is, you can start with sources of ideas Things like the 10 things you will never hear your customers say about you, about your business, about your products, etc. You can develop ideas for your core market, related market, uh, new market, etc. But from there, you actually move to much more thorough, systematic way to receive inspirations to come up with potential future ideas. And these are called business trends. And we break them down into market trends, customer insights, technology trends, and business model trends. And what is common about all of them is these ideas that come from each of these four categories, we describe them in opportunity canvases. They're nothing but summaries of ideas that came from these sessions. Let me give you a brief overview of some of these topics. In market trends, there are market mega trends and there are macro trends. Depending on the research you studied, they come with all kinds of different names. So in this example, I'm describing a mega trend called info lust or helpful 
that's noted in the bottom middle but the particular macro trend underneath those two mega trend is called alerting so it, typically there are 10 to 15 to 20 mega trends and then hundreds of macro trends so in this particular researchers they call a mega trend info lust lust for information the the appetite for lots of information under that we have a trend called alerting where customers expect useful information reaching them from a variety of sources so there are examples inspirations and on the right side it's asking so what should you do is this a relevant trend if so you might say we should act on it or we wait and watch if it's not relevant you say park it or put it aside from the relevant trend we develop scenarios what is a potential future scenario for us of this trend acting on our process or product or services so let's take this particular trend so here is an opportunity canvas they turned the mega trend looked at the macro trend and developed some ideas info lust is the mega trend lots of appetite for information the particular macro trend is the trend uh, uh, we call alerting so we take the alerting and in this particular company i worked with they were looking at blood testing and they created a scenario called blood testing is part of everyday life and it's built into everyday activity it doesn't mean you have to poke yourself but somehow some technology is analyzing my blood and the opportunity they came up with is tattoo testing so somehow the tattoo is my display and it describes what's going on inside my body in this example they actually describes if you have an allergy you're diabetic it indicates the status it turned out after the team come up with this idea at harvard they actually produced uh, this idea and demonstrated that this is actually feasible so that's an example of uh, a market trend i moved to customer insights this is a very important aspect of developing strategy the idea there is that customers hire a product or a service to get a job done so you can describe the job to be done in customers view and from that we realize that customers get the job done through a job steps and there are eight universal steps to getting any job done whether it is doing brain surgery or making breakfast we always go through these eight steps define is planning locate is finding the resource preparing is set up confirming is checking to get the ready to do the job executing is doing the job monitor is tracking progress modify is making change and conclude mapping the customer's journey this way and for each of these eight steps you can find out customers needs so in this example managing personal finance at, a, at your home 
we find out that you have several needs. Usually there are 50 to 150 items. They want to minimize the time it takes to perform calculations. They want to minimize the likelihood of making errors. Once you have assembled these customer needs, and by the way, all of this is done through observation, ethnography, uh, discussions, and eventually we take these outcome statements and ask the customer two questions. How important is this outcome? How satisfied are you? Then we want to find the items who are highly important to customer, but not very satisfied. All of these triangles to the right side, we call them underserved. They form opportunities for innovation or transformation. And that becomes your opportunity spaces. Next is technology trends. By studying millions of patents, yes, you heard me right, millions of patents. Now we have close to 120 million patents. Researchers have extracted trends in technologies. So this particular research, we've actually have about 30 plus trends. An example is smart materials. A smart material start out as a passive material. My window glass is a passive material. One way adaptive is it senses something and it changes characteristics. So my window could sense that outside is sunny and it changes its shade. Or my window could sense that outside is too hot and not let any heat inside. Or it could figure out that inside is cold, outside is hot, it changes its property. That's adaptive material. Would that trend have any implications for your business? So there is example in the slide two, and then another trend called liquid to spray, dynamization, and so forth. You could look at these 30 plus trends and map the maturity of your product or your service or your process. The right side, uh, a radar diagram shows the blue is your maturity of where you are. The, the orange is the potential. So anything between blue and the orange gives you potential inspiration for developing ideas. So we develop the future through inspirations from all of these trends developed from patent research. So then at last, we look at ideas through the business model. A business model has four things related to value. The middle items are called the value offering. What is it that you offer to the market? That's your main offering. For Starbucks, it's their drink. What's the related or complementary offering? For the Starbucks, it might be the seating or the internet. And what's your brand, your messaging, your the perception of about your business by the customers. Then you have the value delivery. How do you deliver value to the customer? And what is the segment of the customer you're after? What's your channel? What's your customer experience? Then on the left side, you have value creation. Your key processes, your enabling processes, the partners you work with, all of those forms, your value creation. 
Then at the bottom, you have value capture. How do you capture the value in financial terms? Revenue minus the cost. So overall, this describes your current state of the business. It's your business model. The next step you can do is to do an analysis of your industry to see what are all the business model, what are all the innovations we see in our industry. So you took the 11 rooms of this business model, you put them on your x-axis and you start building a histogram of all major innovations in your industry. It is typical that you see lots of activities under value offering. Your competitors are working on similar offering, complementary offering, etc. Where there are less activities, that's called the blue oceans. You might start to think about ideating in those regions where there are no sharks, it's the ocean is blue. This is one kind of analysis you can do. Another kind of analysis is receiving inspirations from already captured, already summarized business model trends. Researchers at the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland have studied thousands of industries and they distilled them to 55 business models. You'll know or be familiar with many of these. Look at under finance, no frills. A Southwest airline is a no frill airline. Similarly, there are these 55 business models. You can look at these business models. You can look at where your competitors' activities are. And from this, you might get some inspiration and develop some ideas. And you develop your future state idea. This illustrate how enterprise rent a car not so much a product innovation, they change their business model from being at the airport where there are all other sharks. Instead, they created a system where they are focusing on people who have occasional accident and working with insurance companies and in partnership with the insurance companies, they developed a business model where at the point of your accident, you call your insurance company, they immediately contact Enterprise Rent-A-Car and they bring the car to your location. In fact, I had an incident where the Enterprise Rent-A-Car arrived faster than the police when I had an accident. And that from my perspective is customer experience. For my insurance company was a lot cheaper than me going to the airport. And for enterprise rent-a-car, off airport location, low-cost structure, predictable revenue. It's an example of business model uh, innovation. So now that we have a list of ideas that came from these business trends, and they go into your portfolio, and they are in product innovation or service innovation, external, or process innovation internal, or we have business model innovation, and some of them are incremental and some of them are radical. So once you have this portfolio, and then we look at your SWOT and create a TOES matrix, 
you're ready for strategy. So let's describe the toes. We have developed the SWOT, strength, weakness, and we have developed opportunities that are external. We can create combinations of these internal versus external and develop strategies. There are four kinds of strategies. Advantageous strategies are combining your strengths against the opportunity and developing ideas. Where do we get these ideas? Look into your portfolio of innovations that you developed. Similarly, weakness against opportunity, you develop cautionary strategies. Strength against threat, you get competitive strategies. And then weakness against threat, you get defensive strategies. As a result, you get a lot of strategies. So imagine you have two strengths, two weakness, as, as shown in this next diagram. Remember these from your SWOT. If you have two items in each of these boxes, that means four internal, four external, four times four, you can develop 16 strategy. Imagine you have three bullets at each box. That's six internal and six external, six times six, 36 strategies. Imagine you had four bullets at each, four plus four, eight internal times eight external, 64 strategies. Now you can understand why you don't want 72 items in this SWOT. So here you take, for illustration, I take a strength, I have excess production capability, but I have an opportunity that is 30% annual growth in the hand tool usage. My potential strategy could be acquiring a door-to-door tools sales company. Uh, at the bottom, I have a weakness. I have a poor employee morale, but there's a threat of a potential union activity. I look at those two, two things together and develop and employee benefits, improving employee benefits as a strategy. Once you have these toes and you have portfolio, you develop a variety of strategies and then you need some way to prioritize them. And that's what you're seeing on the bottom left. A simple tool, tool is impact versus effort to decide which strategies you're going to pursue. All on a sudden, you have strategic themes for your business, and you can turn them into planning where you are prioritizing your breakthrough objectives, developing your annual objectives, and making a list of initiatives and projects to accelerate and implement your strategy. Bill, back to you. Uh, thanks, Phil. To, uh, to wrap up, uh, we recommend utilizing a robust process like strategy creation to build an effective strategic plan that will drive the long-term success of the business. This approach will ensure that the engagement and alignment of the organization while providing a focus on the right initiatives to profitably grow the, grow the business. 
the team needs to identify what game are they playing and how they will win. The strategy creation approach ensures the team answers these two questions and develops a winning strategy. Phil, thanks for the in-depth view of strategy creation process. I appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast. To our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about this process, please reach out to the Lean Methods group at leanmethods.com or to Phil at philip with one L dot Samuel, S-A-M-U-E-L at leanmethods.com. One final thought on strategy creation. As Phil noted earlier in the podcast on the myths page, you cannot create an effective strategy in a three-day offsite meeting. Uh, this process should be implemented that he just went through as a year-round exercise where teams are assigned to work on the various steps of the process that Phil outlined uh, from January to September. And then the team should meet in October, November to consolidate the work into a final plan. This process then can repeat itself every year to keep the strategy up to date relative to the company's current state and changes occurring in the business environment. As once again, as Phil had noted, this, this really should be a process that engages the whole organization and is done uh, every day, not all squashed into one month, uh, you know, two weeks before uh, the uh, management presentation to uh, approve the, the uh, plan. So uh, make this a, a year round living document. Uh, in the interest of continuous improvement, I invite feedback from our listeners. Please share your thoughts and ideas on these weekly podcasts and feel free to suggest topics which you believe would provide useful information for you and our listeners. Once again, thanks to Phil. Thank you, Phil, um, uh, for joining us on today's podcast. And please join us for next week's podcast when we will be having an in-depth look at the strategy deployment or strategy execution process which takes the results of the strategy creation and turns them into reality. So thanks once again, Phil, and uh, hopefully we'll see everybody next week. Thank you, Bill.